0: Um, I want us to uh, to take a, a look a little bit more at the oneness uh, of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Uh, I was reading this morning, just in my, kind of, just to read and to get quiet before the Lord. I was reading in Luke twenty-four, and the setting at this point in the story was um, Jesus has uh, been crucified, died. He resurrected and this was one of his final appearances that he made with his disciples and in verse 45 it says he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and my first thought as I read that was why why did you wait three years to open up their minds to understand the scriptures why, why didn't you start with that you know um, and I don't know if it had to do with the element of faith or uh, concerns about maybe pride right, welling up within them I, I Ironically, I don't understand the answer to why they were not allowed to understand uh, until later on. Uh, But it was a time for me this morning just to be reminded of there are so many things that I don't yet understand. Uh, There are so many things that are just beyond knowing, transcendent in that way. And this relationship with the Father and the Son and the Spirit, this Trinitarian presence that we have in our midst, is one that I am first to say it is really beyond my ability to understand. So in in the next few minutes this morning, my goal is not to try to help you understand it as much as maybe answer the question, so what? So what do I do with my life based upon the fact that God exists in these three persons? If there is a Trinitarian presence in our midst, the Father, Son, and the Spirit, what does that mean for me? In my life, and so I want us to kind of um, consider that as uh, as we look at some some scriptures, and uh, it's it's something that is uh, like I said, it's difficult. For, we could really get hung up on exactly what this relationship looks like, but um, I want us to begin just by remembering that this is all throughout the story of God. We we began this series looking at how God was present in those three persons at the time of creation. Our tendency may be to think that God did the creating and then later on, a few thousand years later, um, Jesus came and then the Holy Spirit was given to the people. But we learned that all three were present before the creation, before the foundation of the world. They were all three involved in the creation of this world. And they all three continue as one to be a part of the ongoing renewing of creation. Um, In 2 Corinthians 13 is a a benediction prayer that Paul uh, prays over the people. And in it, he mentions all three members of the Trinity. He says, uh, may the grace of Jesus Christ, may the love of the Father, and the communion or fellowship of the Holy Spirit with you Um, a lot of a lot of prayers that if you grew up in a liturgical setting a lot of the prayers that are prayed end with some type of a a connection of all three of those praying in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit Um, we read about um, uh, several times in scripture where we are to pray to the Father Um, And we can pray to the Father because of the mediating work of Christ. And we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. So these three are coming together. And then in uh, Matthew 28, again, one of the last things that he shared with his people, with his disciples before ascending into heaven. um, He says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit so is this just something okay we know those names and we can kind of throw those names out there and then something kind of magical happens because we use those names um when uh when we were singing um what a beautiful name of jesus it's not just the way that it's it's not referring to the way that it sounds in our language that wow this is something beautiful and if i say in Jesus' name at the end of a prayer, then that's kind of God's, I'm kind of saying to God, okay, now you've got to answer my prayer because I just prayed it in Jesus' name. There's, this, this word name is actually talking about character. A name, especially in the Bible, it, it was who this person is. A name um, kind of encompassed who this person is, what they were about. And so when we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Spirit, we are praying, recognizing that there is uh, there are characteristics of the Father, characteristics of the Son, and characteristics of the Spirit that we want to see made manifest. Um, so uh, I was walking out of a um, Mexican restaurant. Beth, this was in when we lived in Alabama, and they had a little whiteboard, and they would change the you know, according to whoever the manager on duty was, and it said "Person in Charge, Jesus." And uh, I realized that this was not their way of saying we're a Christian organization. This is a Spanish restaurant, a Mexican restaurant, and that was Spanish. And the person in charge was Jesus. But for me, there was that part of me that was just like, oh wow, that's, that's awesome that they're saying that Jesus is in, is in charge here. Um, but what would it be like for us to consider what if Jesus were In charge of the character and all that he is, for him to be uh, what we're about. Um, In Matthew 28, the verse that I just quoted, um, Jesus says, "I want you to baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit." Just like show of hands for those of you that were baptized. Do you remember was that phrase said by the person baptizing you? Okay, good. If not, it didn't take. Okay. <laughs> you need to do it again. No. okay, So what does that mean to be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit? That word baptized, it, there's a lot that has been written about this. There's uh, a lot that has been taught. In fact, um, different churches and denominations have been formed based upon some beliefs surrounding the interpretation of, of these, uh, these type words. And there's a couple of words in the Greek for, bapt, uh, for baptize. One is bapto, and the other one is baptizo. So they're close, but they have two different meanings. And there, is a, there was a, a, in 200 B.C., there was a, a man by the name of, I forgot his name, Nicander, is that who it was? Who um, was writing, and uh, yes, Nicander. Uh, And uh, in his writing, he was giving a recipe for how to make pickles, okay? And he uses babto and baptizo. And so from that, we kind of learn a little how the two are different. He says that you begin by taking the cucumber and you babto it in boiling water briefly, and then you take it out and you baptizo it in the vinegar solution and let it soak. And it's that baptizo, that time that it sits in that baptizo uh, way in the vinegar for a long time is what actually does the transforming from a cucumber into a pickle. And so what is being talked about here in Matthew 28 is the word baptizo. So it is not just kind of dip yourself into the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit What we are being invited into is immersing ourselves in the character of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in such a way that we are saying we want to be changed through and through. Dallas Willard has a way of uh, uh, kind of reworded that passage that I was just reading. Uh, Dallas Willard says, I've been given say over, well, Dallas Willard is saying that Jesus is saying (laughs) That I've been given say over all things in heaven and in the earth as you go therefore make disciples of all kinds of people submerge them in Trinitarian presence and show them how to do everything I've commanded and now look I am with you every minute until the job's done so it's this picture of of submerge and immersing and uh, it's, it's kind of a, it's a way of saying, I am all in. I am all in. Not holding anything back. Uh, it is to be fully identified in saying that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is, is my manager. He is the one that's in charge. And so um, it's this picture of kind of all in. And can we acknowledge that kind of whatever we choose to be all in Really does impact our lives, can really shape us. So, what were th- what were some of the things that people around you were saying that, that people immerse themselves in? I mentioned work. What else, Sue? The internet. The internet. Yes. Yep. Maybe maybe within that even like social media or something like that. Some people can be immersed in that. Some of us have no willpower, so we just have to take apps off of our phone. That's a, that's the only way we keep ourselves from being immersed. Um, and in, you know, not-so-positive way. What else would you come up with? Parenting? parenting? Okay, what, um, uh, tell me a little bit more about that. If someone is immersed in parenting, what, did, what, what does that person's life look like? <laughs> Okay, yeah, it could be over-parenting to where like even you're, you don't have an identity apart from being a parent or from what your your kids. Yep. Being everything to everybody. Ah, uh, being everything to everybody in that setting, for sure. Yep, all right. Jamie, what would you about to say? Family. Yeah. It's like you're a ventriloquist. Your mouth doesn't move when, you're, <laughs> <laughs> when, you, say, when you say that. That's funny. Um, yeah, so we can immerse ourselves in that. What else? Any others? Just, that came by like people really health like out, or like diet. Health, diet, working out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you use an interesting word, obsessed. And and that, yeah, is I think, you know, parenting is good, exercise is good, family is important, work, we're called to work. But it can kind of be to the point of obsession, and that's when our identity begins to be shaped by whatever it is that we are immersed in. And so I want, that's kind of the the point that I want us to see in that. um, We can be immersed in, in food, we can be immersed in pleasure, we can be immersed in a certain friend group, Um, all of these things that you've mentioned. um, And in each of these immersions, a person is characterized by what or who they are immersed in um, and becomes a form of identifying self. So the point being to be baptized in the character of the Trinity is to agree to submerge your entire being into God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit so that you can better identify with them. When people see you, they see God. Um, when Jesus commanded us to go and to make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, it was not just a, uh, a just add water kind of a command. I grew up in, a, in an environment where, a uh, religious environment where, um, it it kind of felt like if you just added water, then things were going to be good. Um, what, you know, what, I uh, had this uh, encounter with God, but it didn't feel complete until I was baptized. Um, and as good as that step was, there was a part of me that felt like, um, okay, I've added water. Presto, there we go. I should be good. Um, but there's, there was more, so much more. To it uh, for, for his character to become intertwined and, and, and through me. Um, I want us to consider the baptism of Jesus, and that's kind of where we'll, we'll sit on this for just a couple of minutes and then we'll uh, partake in communion. Um, there is a very vivid picture of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that was present for Jesus' baptism. So I want us to look at that. What can we learn from that, and what does that look like for us, not just to be baptized in that, but to live immersed, to live day in, day out, immersed in that way of living. Um, in Matthew 3, and I think this is a, a portion of what Mark Scandrett uh, read to us last week, for those of you that were on the retreat. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, and this is baptizo, so this is talking about um, not just dip immerse, um, in a way that... Uh, transforms he went up out of the water at that moment heaven was open and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him and a voice from heaven saying this is my son whom I love with him I am well pleased and it kind of brings up I, I think it helps us to do our best to step into that situation and ask ourselves what did the people who were present that day hear I don't mean were they able to hear that voice as much as what people that are familiar with that way of life and that history what did they see what did they experience what did they reflect on as they um, encountered that um, a couple of points for us to consider one um, is that Jesus was baptized in other words um, you don't baptize yourself. It's an act of submission. Baptism itself is one in which um, we allow ourselves to be baptized. So there is a, a, a relinquishment that comes with that. Um, it is, it's passive, not active. And it's a way of kind of a, a, a symbol of saying I am yielding myself to, um, to being immersed. I think I've shared this story before. I was a youth pastor and um, we had a pool party at someone's house, which meant that really, uh, everyone's goal was to dunk the youth pastor underwater. And and so I knew, I knew that going into it. And I also knew going into it that I'm not a really strong swimmer. And so I figured if I stayed in the shallow end, I can pretty much hold my own. Uh, just gotta stay off the slope of that, you know, whatever. So uh, I got this, idea one time that I was going to dive off the diving board and then I would not come up until the shallow end and so I would be okay in case any of the youth tried to uh, gang up on me. And so I I dove in and apparently they were ready and they dove in and so before I could make it to the shallow end and come up, uh, like about five teenage boys jumped on me and they're having fun, I am not, Um, (laughs) breathing to me. Is important, okay? Um, And I'm I'm trying to like push off the bottom to get to the top, and then another kid kind of jumps in, and they're just what they're kids, you know. They're having fun. They don't, you know, they don't mean to kill me. And uh, (laughs) but I started to panic, and and I couldn't, you know, think of really. I, I wasn't trying to think real rationally. All I knew was I need to get to this. I do not want to be here. And so I started throwing elbows and doing all this underwater. And those that were there that had not jumped in said that they saw little teenage boys floating to the surface. (laughs) And uh, anyway, I made it out alive. Um, But there was nothing in me that wanted to be in that situation. Um, There was a time previously in my life where I was in a pool. And um, my dad was the one who baptized me. And that was a time where I was very relaxed. I trusted him as best as I understood. At that time in my life, I understood what I was um, committing myself to. And he baptized me. He dumped me. And it was a, a much better experience for me. <laughs> but in all honesty, I still find myself thrown elbows in life. There are some ways that submitting to... And allowing myself to be completely immersed in God's way of life for me is is challenging. There's a part of me that's like, I do not like being in this situation. I wish I was in more control. And I'm gonna do what I can. But there is a part of our journey where God says, I want you to trust me. And we are baptized. We um, we find ourselves in those situations, and I believe that we are, are given that that choice. Um, I, uh, I got to baptize Beth in the Jordan River. We went to um, Israel a few years ago, and it was just a really cool moment for um, a number of people in our group, so we went down to the Jordan River and, you know, they don't know exactly where Jesus was when he was baptized. I'm pretty sure that same water has long since gone on. Um, but just the, um, just the picture of that passage that we just read in Matthew 3. And, um, and so I, I got to baptize uh, Beth. And what's interesting, the name Jordan means the descender. And it's not just, in my mind, it's not just that the Jordan River descends until it culminates there at the Dead Sea. But I thought, what a beautiful picture of Jesus, the descender, who descended from heaven to earth, who descended into the earth for those three days. And thankfully, um, that's not the end of the story. The act of baptism does not stop with that picture of burial. It's a picture of being raised to new life And what Jesus gave for us is a pattern that we see several times in Scripture. Um, And that is um, this theme of water and death and burial and resurrection to a new life. Let me give you a couple examples of that. Um, God was the way maker in Exodus. He called Moses to lead his people to freedom. Um, They have been released, um, at least in word, they were released from 400 years of slavery in Egypt, and they begin their journey towards the promised land. And uh, they find themselves on the shoreline of the Red Sea looking out at the water ahead of them. And um, Moses sees this huge crowd of people that he's supposed to be leading right there with him, and then beyond them is this angry army, kind of the greatest military power of that day, hot on their heels, regretting that they had let them go. And um, you may be familiar with the story from reading it, you may be familiar from some characterizations through Hollywood, but what seemed like a hopeless situation, God intervened, held back the Egyptians, held back the water, The people could go through the water and they experienced salvation on the other side. Romans 6 goes on to say, "Um, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life immersion, and out of that immersion, a new transformed life. Um, even further back in the story, before Moses, is the story of, of the world when it had really reached a very low point and God said to Noah, I want you to build a boat, I want you to build an ark, and um, we, we see that God saved eight people, Noah and his family, from the flood. And as a part of that, there was, uh, as as they are on the boat, the floods have come, um, Noah and his family are saved, they send out a dove that comes back with a an olive branch, a twig in its mouth, as an indicator that the waters were receding and it's gonna be, it was close to time to go uh, to get off the boat and uh, 1 Peter 3 verse 18 Peter says this reflecting back on that Christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God he was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built in it only a few people eight in all were saved through water and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, Other examples, Moses as a child, placed in a basket, set out in the water, in the Nile, um, and was rescued. Uh, We have examples of Jonah Um, who uh, is rescued by this great fish. Um, Jesus says in Matthew 12, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. All of those scriptures and all of those examples um, just want to say this. A life immersed in the Trinity is a life immersed submerged in the life-changing work of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. It is believing that baptism and death and new life is the pattern that's shown to us in Scripture, and that we can trust God with with this pattern in our life, one of baptism, death, and new life. And it's shown to us especially by Jesus himself. And This is not just to be the story of God. This is when we realize this is to be the story of us. One of baptism, death, new life, trusting in Him. Before we uh, head into communion, I had this uh, journal entry kind of reflecting on the retreat last weekend. Um, We are a little drier today than we were this time last week, some of us, okay? Uh, It was pretty wet, not just in Occidental, it was all over here, I know. Um, But this was uh, just a few thoughts that I journaled. Soaked through. Time outside last weekend was, to put it mildly, wet. I found the rain to be unavoidable. Rain dripping off the bill of my cap, too many raindrops to dodge my feet in soggy socks and shoes because of puddles that were too large to leap over. Lord, give me eyes to see a life soaked in you. Eyes to see that there really is no way to dodge you. I commit to descend to low places where your presence pools. Places I cannot leap over, but rather must walk through. And then emerge with a new walk. Of soggy, savior saturated steps. Amen. Living every moment with these thoughts being submerged in my chosenness, every moment my heart submerged and marinating in the loving sacrifice that Jesus made for me, every moment swimming in the power of the Spirit. Would you take a step towards? Immersing yourself. Some of you maybe it's 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 a step. Others of you it could be cannonball time. But I want you to consider what is that next step for you to really immerse yourself in the presence of God. And as we prepare for communion, I want to just invite you to reflect on the symbolism of the bread and the juice. Because it is a picture for us of that pattern that we were just looking at in scripture, death that leads to life. It's a picture of when we submit to trusting the Father, that he has a new life for us on the other side. And this is a a powerful symbol God, uh, through his son, has given us this example of um, the bread representing the body of Christ offered for each one of us, and his blood shed to atone for each one of us. And as we partake, we not only remember his death, but we can celebrate his resurrection. We know that that's not the end of the story. As I understand uh, church history, uh, the, this sacrament of communion uh, was not a real somber time. It was actually very celebratory. It was the time in the service when people were really excited because of the realization of what this means. It means life and we can celebrate that life. So I want to um, just pray and give you a moment to examine your heart uh, in particular thinking about what it would be like for you to begin to not just toe to not just dip but to completely submerge I'm not going to completely submerge my fingers and hand <laughs> into, the, into the cup but what would it look like for you to completely immerse your life in the life of Christ Let's pray, Father. I thank you for this bread and this cup. And I thank you for what they represent. Lord, I wonder what life we might experience later on today as we immerse ourselves in you. What life you might have for us this coming week as we begin Monday submitting to you and trusting you. Father, may our hearts be saturated, pure and by you. It's in your name I pray. Amen.